0: Hello and welcome to Call to Action, a School Sisters of Notre Dame Central Pacific podcast. Today we are talking to Wanda Colo. She's the Director of Sustainable Operations and Construction Management at the St. Louis Zoo, which is such a cool job. She has over a decade of experience in the sustainability sector, ranging from sustainable design to leadership in energy and environmental design consulting, and now she's working at the St. Louis Zoo, so please enjoy. Welcome, and thank you so much for being here today. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: Thank you so much for having me. My name is Wanda Colo. I am the Director of Sustainable Operations and Construction Management at the St. Louis Zoo. And so that means that I am responsible for and work with basically every department to make us as green as we can be, to reduce our impact on natural resources and design and construct our facilities to meet sustainability best practices. Um, Sometimes that means third-party certification systems like LEED, or there's there's various systems out there. But whether we go for um, third-party certification or not, we try our best to basically make the zoo operate in such a way that it's taking care of the planet. And so we're kind of walking what we – we're walking the talk. And it's also a great opportunity for us to use our campus and our buildings – as teaching tools, so as people are visiting the St. Louis Zoo and learning about animals and learning about you know their homes and and possibly threats to their homes, their ecosystems, um, we can also show how living in a balance with the world can help protect these animals and help protect these ecosystems as well.
0: Awesome! That's such a fascinating job. I can't wait to hear more about it. So we'll just start kind of in your background. What got you interested in maybe care of creation, sustainable design?
1: Yeah, so I, you know, it was really not until grad school that I that I really thought about considering sustainability as a career path. My my love for animals and nature began long before then. I have an interesting background story where I moved around a lot growing up um, and I lived in a lot of, you know, I actually lived in several countries. Uh, cities and towns. So just living in different environments helped me to, I think, intuitively value sustainability in the built environment. but it wasn't something that I became conscious of until I was I was in my college years. So I was born in Poland um, in the 1980s, and my family emigrated, left the country because of the communist rule there at the time. Uh, when I was about four and a half, and we we escaped to Germany, who was at the time taking in Pol- Polish people by the thousands, uh, who were escaping communist rule, and we we essentially got uh, you know social services there for about a year while we got all of our legal paperwork to move to Canada, um, and so while we were in. In Germany, we lived, we were stationed, we were essentially kind of placed in a, in a town called Zweiburken for several months. My brother and I became friends with uh, these two farmer girls. And so we spent all of our waking time kind of playing over on their farm and running through the fields. And I think that's where really, I think my love of animals really started there. But then, you know, we left after several months of living there, we, we moved to Toronto, Canada, which is a humongous city, just a bustling metropolis. And we, we ended up living there for seven years. And so I had a completely different <laughs> experience of life and um, kind of living in just this huge city with wonderful public transit and extremely, I mean, it's, I think it's called one of the world's most multicultural cities. So it gave me this completely different perspective. From there, when I was in middle school, we moved to middle America, Uh, moved to St. Louis. And it was probably one of the biggest shocks in my life, just kind of moving from Uh, a place where I was so autonomous, even as like a 12 year old child, being able to take public transit and be able to kind of move around on my own, moving into the suburban environment where, you know, everything was reliant on a vehicle. And I was essentially kind of trapped, (laughs) um, reliant on my adults in my life to drive me around and things. So again, completely different experience of how the built environment it impacted me personally and my my opportunities. Again, I didn't put all those things together until I was actually finishing my degree in sociology and anthropology, thinking I was doing the academ- academia route. Um, at that point, I got a little bit disenchanted with academia, um, having worked with a professor for several years, kind of doing studies. And I learned about urban planning as a degree. And so th- I think it, it kind of clicked for me at that point. Like, All these experiences growing up kind of giving me that personal understanding of how how our built environment impacts our daily lives. What I loved about it is it's so applicable. And so, um, you know, essentially that degree helps you tackle real world problems. So once I started that college program, I learned a lot about environmental planning, the human impacts of, you know, the way that we build things and how even, you know, These faraway cities and how we live far away from undeveloped ecosystems has an impact on those systems. That's when I really just decided that this is this is a viable career path, and I can um, follow my follow my passion and and actually make a difference. Um, Another thing too is at that point, climate change had become just a really big concern for me. This is like you know early two thousands. It's really becoming obvious that very big changes have to be made for us to make a, an impact on that issue. So I just thought urban planning and then finally kind of working my way into a, uh, a career where I can make a difference on, um, you know, energy use and water use and re- recycling systems and those kinds of things can really be a, a great
0: path for me. Awesome. Thank you. So now you currently work the St. Louis Zoo so, what's it like working at the zoo? And can you talk about your responsibilities and your role there?
1: Um, something unique about the St. Louis Zoo is that we are free to anyone. So, it's it's actually quite a uh, uncommon and unusual thing to be a large zoo like we are that is free to anyone, not just St. Louis. Resident. So, working at the zoo is is fascinating. It's it's very much like working for a small city. It's an incredibly complex organization. With you know, there's such a range of professionals who you interact with on a daily, regular basis. Because you know, we have we have the animal experts, of course. We have keepers and behaviorists and animal nutritionists and veterinarians and all the people that help take really great care of our animals. But beyond that, we also have plumbers and carpenters and electricians without whom we couldn't have the facilities to, to have these animals. And so they're just as critical to, to running a zoo. And it's really interesting, but modern zoos are also essentially research institutions and, and hubs um, We have on our staff uh, endocrinologists and epidemiologists and pathologists who, again, help uh, with our animal collections. So I work in the architecture and planning department, and we essentially work for all the departments of the zoo, um, helping to design and construct the spaces that help us perform all of our functions. Um, We, you know, zoos are also entertainment and event spaces. So we draw... Public in the thousands to come and enjoy a day of relaxation at the zoo and time with their family. So there's all kinds of professionals that um, have to plan those events and you know our food and 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 uh, beverage departments and all that. So it's it's such an interesting place to work because you get to work with all these different people and really learn from so many different people. I've learned so much about animals just working at the zoo and learning about their behaviors and their needs. So it's it's fascinating. We, you know, zoos and aquariums now are just such an important place to educate the public about conservation and ways that people can support conservation work in their own personal lives. So working at the zoo is really um, kind of, it it's just marries all of those hopes that I had for a career in solving real world problems with that aspect of getting the word out and encouraging others to join us in uh, making a difference.
0: Thank you. How do zoos help protect the environment?
1: So zoos and aquariums are really the only place you can go that you can get that very intimate, close up connection with wildlife. Uh, Many animals that you would never, many people would never see in, in, uh, the flesh, kind of, um, which has been shown, and that close-up personal connection has been shown through research studies time and again, that it helps increase a person's chance of taking personal action for conservation. So it is, you know, having that visceral experience, I think, has, and, and has not, not just, I think, but it has been shown to, to really promote conservation actions. Zoos, again, create opportunities for people to connect safely, um, with with nature and especially for people who live in cities you know that that's sometimes the first real connection with like nature that people have outside of maybe going to a local park so it's it's a really important service that is provided and and of course modern zoos now are are very often uh, the last refuge for some species of animals. There are some animals who only live in zoos and only exist in zoos at this point. Toward the latter half of the 20th century, increasingly zoos became research and science, you know, driven organizations that are working really hard to protect endangered species um, by breeding them and um, sometimes reintroducing them To the wild, St. Louis Zoo has a institute called the Wildlife and the Wildcare Institute, and um, we work around the world as well as in St. Louis and the uh, area around us to protect endangered animals. We have a couple breeding programs that we participate in. Um, on our own campus actually. So we breed hellbenders, Eastern hellbenders and um, American burying beetles. And then we introduce them, reintroduce them back into the wild here locally. So these are animals whose numbers have dwindled dramatically in this last, you know, 50 years. So it's that kind of work. It's the, the work of conservation and the work of protecting these animals who really have kind of a last stand against extinction. Uh, that zoos and aquariums are more and more uh, supporting. Zoos and aquariums are also also using more and more our own campuses and facilities as an opportunity to teach the public about conservation and sustainability. So we're using our own buildings as tools for learning. And I think that's really exciting um, and something that's really being advanced more and more now. We continue to teach People about the animals and, and threats that they face in the wild, but we can also show visitors that by composting their food scraps, they can reduce the material going to landfill. For example, so if we have composting in our restaurants, we can take that moment and that um, that opportunity to talk with the public about why that matters. We can show people how collecting rainwater, for example, and then reusing it on our campus in our operations reduces. The need to pull water out of a municipal source, or you know, the energy that goes into pumping all that water to get to our campus. There's also a really interesting. I don't know if you've ever heard of Joel Sartore. Uh, he's a American photographer who um, has been. He's with the National Geographic, um, and he also has a a project that he's working on called the Photo Arc. and he's devoted a you know 25 years of his life to document. Approximately, I think at this point, he's taken photos of like 12,000 species living in the world's zoos and aquariums um, and, and wildlife sanctuaries. So it's kind of this living, um, you know, he's trying to document all these animals that we have in our care, in our collections as a sort of encyclopedia of life and it's, it's really fascinating. He came out to St. Louis. Uh, he's been out here a few times and he's taken some photos of our own animals um, as part of that. But again, I think where, where would he be able to go do something like that outside of zoos and aquariums to get close and personal and show these animals in a really intimate way that hopefully gets people to care enough to take action on their own and live in a way that's more balanced with the carrying capacity of the planet.
0: Awesome. Okay. So shifting a little bit more to your personal life and maybe advice to others is how do you care for the earth in your daily life? And what would you kind of recommend to someone else who's maybe concerned about the environment, concerned about climate change? What can they start to do to take action? So
1: in my own life, I think something that I have valued, and I think just from sharing my story earlier about moving around a lot and living in these different types of cities. I actually value city living a lot. Um, So that's something that I've committed um, to. I've essentially lived in the city of St. Louis for the last, you know, over decade. And um, I I love that. I love that community aspect of living kind of in a more dense, um, urban, more diverse environment. And so um, I, I value living close to where I work, for example. And, you know, I don't have children, so it's – I don't have to worry about schools. I don't have to worry about um, some other things that people with children might have to worry about. But for me, I can make the choice to live in a city and live very close to where I work, so my commute is short. Um, I can even bike to work if I – you know, on, on days that I can make that happen. Lately, I've been working from home, but um, – but so that's something that I've, that I would say is a big thing that I do in my daily life. Of course, you know, recycling and um, I just bought a house. So I hopefully pretty soon here, I can build a little compost bin outside, um, but that's a great way to reduce your, you know, waste stream and there's just there's so many myriad of things that you can do every day and i think one thing that you know is a little bit maybe it's it's kind of maybe a little more stretch but i i think having gratitude for what you have and um reminding myself that what i have is enough i think that also plays into sustainability in a big way because a lot of the destruction that we see comes from a place of lack It comes from a place of wanting to um, acquire more stuff or, you know, bigger house or more cars, this kind of stuff that um, really doesn't lead to lasting happiness, but it's also driving a lot of environmental destruction. So I think that's something that we can all do is take note of the things that we have and be happy for the abundance that we have in our lives. As far as your second question of you know what what tips for someone that would want to start acting to protect the earth, I would say you know start with considering like consider your sphere of influence. So whether you know are you perhaps um, a CEO at a company, or or maybe you're a stay at home mom, you have very different kind of spheres of influence. Um, but considering what you can do, where can you make a big impact? So I'd I'd say that's something to start with and then I would say think about what interests you and what comes naturally to you. So if you love gardening for example, um, maybe you can learn and incorporate more native plants for example. Maybe taking a class about incorporating um, native and uh, beneficial plants for insects or bees and pollinators so, you know, kind of just building on your own interests. Maybe you love to be active and you like, um, you know, just getting out there and being sporty. Perhaps you can work in some bicycle commuting. You know, maybe you can uh, commute to work a few times a month by bicycle instead of using your personal vehicle or or even doing, um, a, running an errand. With a bicycle. So these are just some examples, but I think building on what comes naturally already or what you're interested in, and then within that, finding ways to incorporate sustainability is a great way to start. And another thing I would say is don't try to do everything at once. I think sometimes. You know, we learn about these different actions that we can take, and you want to start every. You want to start doing everything at at one time, and it can become a overwhelming. On the long end of that, there's burnout, and ultimately, sometimes you might say, "Well, my actions don't really matter," but that's not the truth. Uh, it's just that that you took on too much at, at one time. So, I would just say that um, taking on what you can, and maybe like if you're starting a new action, try it for 30 days. Like just add, you know, you want to start composting. Start doing that every day for 30 days. Once that's become a really good habit, you've become comfortable with it, it's easier for you. At that point, maybe add something else. You know, you want to learn how to plant more native plants. That is the next step to do. So I would just say kind of taking it step by step and not forcing everything on yourself and like the wor- the weight of the world on your shoulders all at once is a good way to go. Um, the beautiful thing about sustainability is essentially it can be applied to anything. It's kind of like a glasses or a lens that is applied to all of the world. <laughs> so there's so many things. I mean, you, you can buy more organic food and cook more organically, reduce your meat intake. There's so many things you can do. So it's really kind of just finding what interests you and then building from there.
0: Perfect. Thank you. All right. So you will be speaking at the Women's Leadership Luncheon on March 8th, 2021. And so what do you hope that the people attending the luncheon will take away from your speech and their time there? I hope that people
1: take away that no matter what they do for a living and no matter what their station in life is, you can be a a part of crafting this better vision of the future. We absolutely need everyone, essentially. We need a diversity of backgrounds and professions with a multitude of experiences to help us innovate our way to ensuring that we have a livable and thriving planet for us to live on. So, you know, scientists agree that the next eight to 10 years are critical in us addressing the climate change crisis um, and also our biodiversity crisis. So we we know that um, our actions have direct impact on the success. And I hope that we can, I can illustrate a few examples. Examples that people can take with them, but really just to inspire people to start thinking about ways that their own lives can be aligned with a more um, sustainable and resilient world so that future generations have a place to call home and have a place to live. And I think that's, that's really the big thing I want people to walk away with is just a sense of hope and a sense of purpose that In in everybody's career, I think there's ways to incorporate concepts of sustainability. So whether you're in finance or you're in architecture and planning or engineering or a teacher, uh, nurse, um, there's, there's absolutely ways that people, if they open their eyes, can think of better ways to do the work that we do to reduce waste, to reduce utility use inspire people to take action on saving native species and uh, creating habitats for animals that live in our own backyards. Um, that's a huge thing. We have so many animals that um, you know live within cities. I actually think it's fascinating that in the city of St. Louis, we have 400 or possibly more than 400 um, native species of bees. And that's in the city of St. Louis. So these animals live among us. They live with us, they live all around us. And so we can make choices every day to support and um, improve their quality of life and their chance of surviving uh, on this planet.
0: So the theme for this year's luncheon is care of creation. What does care of creation mean to you?
1: Sustainability is often defined by this triple bottom line, people, planet, profit. Um, And in this Venn diagram, where all three of those meet in the center is the place from which we have this, um, you know, more harmonious uh, living within the carrying capacity of the planet. Um, And while also meeting our own needs, right, human and global economic needs. So this is, uh, I think, where equity comes into play. And it's critical for our advanced for advancement on issues like global climate change and biodiversity that all people have their basic human needs met. um, And, you know, access to food, shelter, health, education. Um, So within caring for uh, creation, we, we do need to care about people around the world who live in poverty or are living in parts of the world that are susceptible to climate effects. Finally, I think caring for creation also means that we care enough about the life that is not even here yet. so that we care enough about future generations to protect the world today so that they too can have a thriving and um, thriving planet and a shot at life uh, you know decades after we might be gone. So I, I'll just end with a Aldo Leopold quote, when we see land as, an, as a community to which we belong, we may begin to use it with love and respect. And I love that because we are not separate from nature and the more we understand that and the more we embody that with our actions, the better chance we have um, at creating a planet that is fair and just and um, supports wildlife as well as humans.
0: All right. Well, you did great. Thank you so much for spending this time with me.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciated
0: it. And it was nice to uh, nice to see you. Thank you, Wanda. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. To find out more about the School Sisters of Notre Dame, Central Pacific Province, visit our website at www.ssndcp.org. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or listen on Spotify. Thanks so much for your support and have a wonderful day.